All right, today's scripture comes from Romans chapter 8. We're going to read verses 18 through 30. We're going to be reading in the ESV. Uh, the Bibles in, in, in the pews are ESV versions. Uh, if you want to uh, follow along with us, we encourage you to do that because we're going to do a responsive reading. And so in a moment, we'll have everyone stand and I'll read the first verse, uh, verse 18, and then you'll read the verse after that. And then I'll read the following verse and we'll keep going back and forth like that until the end. So again, it's Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 30. Once you found the scripture, once you're ready to read, if you could please stand as able. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we await eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. All right. Well, brothers and sisters, uh, today's message is called All Things. And what we're going to be talking about today, uh, I want us to properly understand that in many ways, I think this message can be, I don't want to oversell it, but I think it can be life-changing in many ways. But one of the verses uh, that we're going to really highlight today has the, the, the tendency to just become almost like a Christian meme, <laughs> to become just a good saying that you hear. And sometimes in the church, you know, we have these sayings that we say, and maybe we don't fully recognize their implication. It's just something you say. Uh, sometimes in churches, there's kind of this call and response thing that people say, and we're just taught to respond. Uh, so uh, maybe you've heard this before. When I say, God is good, you say? All the time. All right. But maybe we can say it like we mean it. God is good. All the time. All the time. God is good. Hey, you guys fake it well. No, just kidding. <laughs> That's good. Let's do it one more time. God is good. All the time. All the time. God is good. Amen. Amen. And we just say it, right? And you, you have a pastor like me who makes you say it, <laughs> who makes you mean it, right? And 
I wonder if sometimes we lose the significance. There are many times in life, or many sort of uh, venues, where where we're just kind of taught to say things, right? You you just learn them. Uh, Oftentimes in sports, you have call and response things. How about this one? Go green. (laughs) All right. So there's a few Michigan State people, right? Uh, There's another one. Probably not as many people will will know this one or respond to this one. (laughs) O-H. That's Ohio State's. (laughs) All right. Now, some some people, you guys are very, very polite to not boo during those other ones, but I know there's a lot of people who go to University of Michigan or have gone to University of Michigan. I have to say, you know, I, I, I like University of Michigan, but theirs is the worst. It's the worst call and response. It's, it goes like this. Go blue. Go blue. You just say the same thing back, right? Why, why not go maze, go blue? I don't know, but it's just... Uh, anyways, <laughs> I, we, so a few years back, uh, this, this was like maybe like towards the beginning of my time at LGM. Like, like it, this was like 2006, 2007, something like that. We used to take the, our youth group to uh, this event. It was called Acquire the Fire. It was this big like youth event. And there's like a bunch of young people there for Jesus, and they would just chant things, right? And so in this huge stadium full of people, you would say, God is good, and everyone would say, all the time. Oh, good, good. And then I'd say, all the time. And then everyone would say, Amen. Amen. So in the midst of this, right? Like, but you have to imagine, it's like 15,000 young people, right? All just super hyper, right? Just hyped up by the environment, right? God is good all the time. All the time. God is good. God is good all the time. All the time. God is good. God is good all the time. All the time. God is good. And then someone just yells, Detroit. And everyone goes, basketball. I'm like, what are we even doing? Right? What's going on? Right? It's just like hype, right? You, you just say it because it feels good. You know, but have you ever stopped to think, what does that mean? Do we even mean it? God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. It sounds good, but do you believe it? I don't even know if I believe it all the time. What about when there's an earthquake? Is God good? Is God good in that situation? What about with cancer? Is God good all the time in that circumstance? What about when there is some sort of financial hardship that you go through and that your family can't pay the bills? Is God good all the time in that circumstance? I believe it's true. But brothers and sisters, I want us, our faith, to be real. And these are the questions that we have to ask ourselves, right? It can't just be a Christian meme, right? It can't just be something that you say. But this is the reality. When you go, because it's not an if, you will go through hard times. And that's when our faith is really tested. And we really, um, that's when we have to ask ourselves if we really believe those things. Because it's one thing to say God is good all the time when there's 20,000 people cheering the same thing. When it's popular, when it feels good, when everything in your life is going well. There's no cancer, 
There's no natural disaster. There's no failure. There's just success. It's just up and up and up and up. And you're feeling good. And you have good physical health, good mental health. And and you're not lonely. You've got family and friends. And you feel satisfied. And the sun is shining. It's not in Michigan, probably. (laughs) Right? And it's easy then to say, God is good all the time. But the real trick is when you go through the valleys, when you go through the dark places, right? God is good all the time isn't in Scripture. But there is another verse, and this is the one I want to highlight. We just read it. But this is uh, verse 28, Romans 8, 28. Very, very famous Scripture verse. People love this Scripture verse. But I want us to understand the context and also to understand it fully. Just like that phrase, God is good all the time. I believe that. But this is very similar. And we know that for those who love God, all things, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. So that's the title of the sermon, right? All things. Not just the good things. Not just the things that feel good. But even the bad things. The difficult things. The hurtful things. The the, the things that have to do with illness and disaster and failure and all kinds of suffering. All things work together for good. Notice it doesn't say all those things are good. Cancer's not good. Brothers and sisters, I'm not here to to make everything sunshine and rainbows because it's not. Natural disasters aren't good. Pain death, sickness. Those things aren't good. But this is the truth, that God can use all of those things, even some of the worst things, for good. That's our hope, right? For those who are called according to his purpose. What is his purpose in this? A lot of people ask that. God, why? Why? When you go through difficulties, right? When you go through hardships, that's a very common question. Now, brothers and sisters, at this point, uh, a lot of today's message is going to be about suffering. It's a reality of life, right? But I I, want to give a little disclaimer right now, a little asterisk. When we talk about suffering, um, for me, when, when I talk about suffering, I think pain is pain. And I think sometimes in this world, for whatever reason, we tend to relativize pain, right? We look at some people and we're like, well, their pain is a lot worse than mine. Right, So I shouldn't complain. And I feel like that's not very helpful. You know, so oftentimes we kind of shame people for having uh, pains that aren't as big as ours. They're like, oh, you think you're going through a hard time? Well, look at what I'm going through. And brothers and sisters, pain is pain. Right? Just whatever you're going through, I mean, that's painful for you. You know, we all have to go through our own journey. We all have our own burdens to, to bear. Right? And so uh, I, I just want us not to kind of look at other people and say, oh, you know, it's so much worse than other people. It, you know, uh, so one of the ways that we do this, that we shame people, is uh, uh, people say first world problems. They're like, oh, man, those are first world problems. Now, I do understand sometimes the things that we go through, you know, like, like y- you can take a step back and say, okay, you know, I, I think I can handle this, right? I think I can handle what I'm going through. And I think that's fine. Right, But I think that if something is genuinely painful for you, it is suffering. Does that make sense? Right, 
And so maybe you will get through it. And maybe through context, you'll be like, hey, you know what? What I'm going through isn't that bad. Totally fine, right? But if it's painful to you, don't ignore it. Don't ignore it. And, and, and so, you know, whatever you're going through, brothers and sisters, you know, you don't have to think, hey, this message doesn't apply to me because, you know, I, I'm not going through such and such, X, Y, Z, whatever, you know, horrible pain that you see other people going through, right? But whatever you're going through, we all suffer, don't we? We all have our stuff. And so I'm going to share some stories and I'm going to talk a little bit about my life and about some other people's lives, but I don't want you to compare pain. Okay, I'm only sharing with you because it's my pain. It's my journey, right? And so I don't want you to think, well, okay, (laughs) just for your own benefit, to think, well, Pastor Steve, your pain is nothing compared to my pain, right? But I also don't want you to think this, that, well, oh my gosh, my pain is nothing compared to his pain. Your journey is your journey. Does that make sense? Yeah? Can I, can I see, I, I know it's like I'm talking and you're listening, but we need some uh, participation, right? We all got to participate. Amen? Is that okay? Yeah? So everyone's pain is their pain, right? And so, brothers and sisters, uh, as we go through this, uh, you might th- think that I'm making too much of that one word, all, all things. But when you look at the whole context of Romans 8, you can't ignore the reality of suffering. You actually can't ignore the, the, the reality of suffering or pain if you read any of Paul. Some people call Paul a pain mystic, that he really takes to heart the fact that you will have to suffer. Let's take a look at, uh, so we started in verse 18. But last week, uh, we read uh, 12 through 17, and we didn't really talk about 17. I didn't do that because I didn't want to talk about it, but I did that because I wanted to talk about it this week. But people kind of ignore 17. Uh, so 16, uh, if you'll remember last week, we were talking about our reality that we are children of God, right? And that's a gift. You just receive that. God just gives you your childness, right? It, it, it's, it's the spirit of childness, the spirit of adoption, that we become full heirs with God. And so... Verse 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. That's good news. That's beautiful. Who you are, your identity is you're a child of God and you don't earn it. That that was entirely last week's sermon, right? And if children, then heirs. What is an heir? And we made this big deal about how sometimes in the scripture, it'll translate it as sons. And that's not meant to be sexist. That's just because in that time, the son was a full heir. So men and women, right, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters, you have the full status of being an heir. What does that mean? What what does an heir get? An heir gets everything from the father, right? They get to share in the father's life, right? They get to share in that entire family. And so you get all the things that God has, right? And you get to share in the same status as Jesus. That's great, isn't it? Isn't that good news? You get to share in everything with Jesus. Everything with Jesus. Jesus had a pretty good life, didn't he? Jesus was awesome. (laughs) He was incredibly loving, right? God was with him. But this is one of the things that Jesus also went through, was he went through suffering, didn't he? 
Jesus went to the cross. Jesus died on a cross. And this is exactly what it says here. If children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. You are an heir of God if you do what? If you are willing to join with the life of God and you get everything that Jesus got, you can't just get the good things. You can't just get the glory and the resurrection. You must also receive the suffering. That's what it means to share in the life of Christ. Because if Christ suffered, then this is what Paul believed. He believed then, then you will suffer too. Paul took this to the extreme. Paul would say, you know, you know what, what I boast in? You, you, you know what I rejoice in? I rejoice in suffering. He would say stuff like that. And you're like, Paul, you're crazy. This doesn't make sense to us. But Paul was like, hey, if I'm going to get the resurrection, I must also get the cross. So if I get to suffer for Christ, then, oh my gosh, this is great. He's like, then I get the resurrection, Right? He's like, oh my gosh, you know, we were worthy of suffering for Christ. You see that with the disciples. They would get beat and they would get imprisoned. And then they would be like, yeah, we were worthy of suffering with Christ. Because Christ was arrested. Because Christ was beat. Because Christ went through suffering. So do we. We're like, oh my gosh, that's awesome. Because they really understood what it meant to be an heir. Right? To share in the actual life of Christ. But in this day and age, I don't think we understand that. You can understand that conceptually, but I think we fight that. What, how do I know we fight that? Because when we go through suffering, we don't rejoice. Right? And, and, and we, we don't look at that as a good thing. We look at that as a, not a part of God's plan, but we look at it as some kind of aberration of God's plan. We're like, no, no, no. Mm, this is not supposed to be. No, no, no. We get mad at God. We, we get upset. And, and brothers and sisters, I just want to show you, um, you know, uh, just an illustration of this, how we're not okay with suffering. Um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, uh, somebody shared with me uh, this song. Uh, it's called Another in the Fire. It's a new song by Hillsong United. I guess Hillsong United, they're going to come out with a new album, and they've been releasing all these new songs. And um, Young Lee shared this song with me because uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about what does it mean to be in Christ, to have a life where God is with you. He's with you. He's in you. There's no separation, no separation at all. Right. And so he's like, hey, Pastor Steve, I, you know, I just heard this song and I thought of your message and it's called Another in the Fire. And this song is based on the story of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. You guys know that story? It's like these these three Israelites who refused to bow to a, a God that was not their God. Right. They refused to bow to the king. And because of that, they were going to be executed. They were going to be thrown into a fiery furnace and burned up. And so, of course, the story, you may know this if you've been to Sunday school or you just remember, um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they get put in the fire, but they don't burn up. And actually, a weird thing happens that instead of three people in there, you see like a fourth figure. And so, you know, the guards, they put them in there and they're like, wait, one, two, three, four, what? 
There's another person. There's another in the fire, right? And that's what this song is about, this idea that there's someone always with you. When you go through the fire, when you go through difficult things, you are not alone. And that's what this is about. And and so there's a part of the song that, uh, uh, by the way, we're going to sing the song. We're not singing it today, uh, but we're going to sing it at the praise night. So this is a little plug for the praise night. So you guys should come. It's a really good song. There's a part of the song, and praise team, you're off the hook. You don't have to do this part. It's kind of like a spontaneous worship part. When you look at the lyrics to Another in the Fire, uh, this part doesn't make it. But it's a part where they're just declaring. And, and what they keep saying is, even if he doesn't. And I want to show you, this is actually the first time they performed the full song in public um, at a worship conference. And it was a very powerful experience. So sometimes you see like these videos of, uh, you know, this, these professional worship bands. And at least for me, I'm like, you know, they seem so into it. But is that just an act? Is that just because they're professionals and are really good performers? But there's actually something going on in their lives that this is even more powerful. I'm, I'll share that with you in a moment. But Chris Davenport is a guy who, uh, or Chris Davenport and Joel Houston wrote this song, and you'll see both of them kind of declaring these these truths about God. And so we're going to watch this, this short clip. About It's about a minute and a half uh, from this song. like that part. Um, they're just kind of declaring. And I was like, man, that seems like kind of spontaneous, like it wasn't part of the plan. And they're saying stuff like, even if he doesn't, you know, I will not bow down to this world. Even if he doesn't, I will praise him. And, you know, I, I it wasn't in the official lyrics when you look up the lyrics to Another in the Fire. And so I was looking at the YouTube comments because I was like, I bet someone will write down what they're actually saying. So I wanted to see what they were saying. And, and, you know, it's in there. So people wrote out what they're saying in that part. Um, but I noticed something else is that there were a lot of people who were like, oh man, that's my favorite part. It's so powerful when they say, even if he doesn't. But I noticed 
there were a lot of people who were very confused by this. And I want to show you. Uh, they, I, I actually screenshotted the, the YouTube comments. Uh, so even if he doesn't, that phrase alone carries more power than imaginable. And someone wrote, what does even if he doesn't mean? Can you explain it, please? I'm confused. If you think I'm just cherry picking this, again, doesn't what though? <laughs> again, what do you mean with even if he doesn't? <laughs> right? So, so what people explain, and it's actually straight from the scripture, in the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, um, they're like, our God will deliver us, right? You can throw us in the fire, and God will deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we will not bow down. That's just straight from the scripture, right? But why are all these people confused? Why, are, why do all these people not like this part? They're like, what? even if he doesn't, because... Their theology, our theology, is often God will always deliver the way we want him to. Even if he doesn't. What is that saying? That's saying that sometimes God does not deliver in the timing or in the way that you want to. It doesn't mean that God stops being good. It doesn't mean that God doesn't deliver ultimately. But brothers and sisters, it's just a reality that God doesn't always deliver the way you want, isn't it? There are many times where God doesn't give you what what we want. Now, if you think that, you're like, okay, Pastor Steve, I understand what you're saying, but that also just seems to grate against what I've heard about God. Doesn't God always deliver? If I pray, won't he always give me what what I want? Well, hey, even look at Paul. Do you guys remember Paul, that he was going through a really hard time? We actually don't know what it is. But there's this story uh, that we gather from 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians is an incredible letter. 1 Corinthians is a very triumphant letter. This is Paul doing well. 2 Corinthians is Paul not doing well. We don't know what happened. But what some scholars think is that Paul was, uh, uh, these communities that used to embrace him were now rejecting him. There were, there were these people that were opposing Paul's message. And they're like, hey, Paul is not teaching the right thing. You need to get circumcised. You actually need to follow the law. And Paul was clashing against these people. And so Paul would get trashed. These people would, would totally badmouth Paul. Paul would get arrested. And Paul was going through a lot of hardship. We don't know exactly what it was. But when you get to 2 Corinthians, it's a completely different tone than 1 Corinthians. He's like, man, I've been... I've been through stuff. I've been beaten. I've been tried. I've been tested. I've been battered. And you hear this in in 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 9. So to keep me from being conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, that he was getting these cool visions from God. But he said, to keep me humble, a thorn was given me in the flesh, flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being conceited. We don't know what it was. Was it, you know, some of these people who were opposing Paul and it was just annoying and it, it, like these people wouldn't go away? Was it an actual thorn in the flesh where he had some sort of physical disability or pain, chronic pain that he was dealing with? Was it some kind of mental thing or a spiritual attack? We're not exactly sure what it was, but it was very, very painful. 
Remember, this is Paul who rejoices when he suffers. He suffers, he's like, oh my gosh, this is great. But this, this was too much. He pleads, he begs with God, God, can you take this away from me? This is too much. I can't handle this. God, please. He says, I pleaded three times with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Therefore, uh, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. There's a couple things here. Brothers and sisters, even if he doesn't, right? Paul prayed, and he didn't get what he wanted. The pain didn't go away, not right away. The trouble didn't leave him, not right away. But this is also the truth. God never left him. God was with him through all of that. He said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. The power of Christ was with him. Don't get this twisted, brothers and sisters. This message isn't, you know what? God won't answer you, and you're just going to go through difficult things. Tough cookies. That is not this message. That is not the message of the gospel. That is not the message that Paul is talking about. He's saying, even if you don't get what you want, which is the complete cessation of pain and suffering, Christ will be with you. And Christ's power will be enough. You may not be enough. Your endurance may not be enough. But the grace of Jesus Christ will be enough. You will get through. You will get through. He will be with you. He will not abandon you. This is the message. This is totally the message. So uh, I, I want to continue going because I don't want you to think that the suffering is for nothing. And I don't want you to think that it's only suffering, that the suffering will never go away. Paul is very clear about this. Verse 18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Brothers and sisters, uh, Paul was a pain mystic. He believed that you had to go through pain. But it wasn't just pain. There's glory on the other side. There's a reason. He's using the pain and suffering for a purpose. And, and so he says, For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. This is the purpose, brothers and sisters, the revealing of the sons and daughters of God. Why does it say sons of God? Because in the same way that Jesus was a son of God, so will you be, even for daughters, right? You will be like Jesus. That's what Paul is saying. The creation is longing for us to be revealed, to actually look like and resemble Jesus Christ. Remember, that's what this is all about. You share in the sufferings because Jesus suffered. Then you share in his glory. You share in his transformation. You share in his resurrection, right? Amen? So it says, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, 
in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Brothers and sisters, this creation, this world, it's messed up. We know that. This world is not the way it should be. There's so many things that are not right. There's so many things that aren't good. All the disease, all the illness, all the cancer, all of the, the, the natural disasters, right? All the suffering, all the death, all the genocide, all the war. This creation is longing for transformation, saying this is not good. This is not right. This is why we pray all the time. Right? Your will be done. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in the heavens. This is the will of God for this world, this creation, for all of us to be transformed, to reflect the glory of God, the perfection of God. Right? And it says that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. You see this freedom so much in the disciples, in the the Christ followers who were suffering. They were going through pain and yet they were praising and they're glorifying and they had joy and they had peace. What freedom there is. Oh my goodness, there's such freedom in that. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. This is a very common metaphor that is used in scripture. Childbirth. I I, I don't know, I'm a man. (laughs) I've never gone through childbirth and I never will. And so ladies, you have to forgive me because I I will never know that pain. I will never know that pain. But I'm just going to say what scripture says. So, you know, if this doesn't sound right or this isn't your experience... But what scripture says is that it's incredible pain. It's, it's, it's so hard, right? But when the child comes, it's joy. That, okay, this is just what scripture says, but the, the pain is kind of forgotten. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. You really forget the pain. But it's like the joy of the child, the joy of the birth, the joy of new life kind of supersedes that, Right? And, and you can't even compare. You can't compare anymore. The suffering you went through, when the joy comes and you're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. It's so worth it. It's so worth it because of the joy that we experience on the other side. Sometimes in the midst of it. Sometimes when you do have a child, there's still pain. <laughs> but you're like, man, this is so much joy. So much joy. And brothers and sisters, uh, as we go on, let, let's take a look at this. It says, uh, and not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. There's something that is changing within us. Yes, it will happen after you die fully, but I believe it still happens here. There's this great mystery We call it um, the here and the not yet. We experience many of the the, the glories and many of the great joys of being a child of God. You will not fully experience it until you are with Jesus. That's just the reality, right? So on this side of, of creation, we do endure things that you will not have to endure on the other side, right? The sickness, the death, the pain. 
It's a part of life. But it doesn't mean that there isn't joy here, right? Do you hear that, brothers and sisters? So our bodies, our, 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 our whole selves, we are being transformed into the sons and daughters of God, into the people who look like Jesus, right? For in this hope we were saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. This is one of the realities. This is one of the things that's really hard for us, is that I wish we were able to see exactly how our lives were going to play out. You're going through pain right now, And to be able to see, when, when, God, when am I going to be on the other side of this? When will this get better? When will I understand what this is for? And Paul is saying, hope that is seen is not hope. The whole idea is that you are hoping in not the situation, but in the provider, in the Savior, in Jesus. This is our hope. Jesus is our hope. Not the particular circumstance. Does that make sense? Not a date on a calendar that you can circle and say, on this date, it's all going to get better. Right? Our hope is solely on Christ. And that's why it's hope. That's why it's hope. Because our hope is Jesus, and Jesus is not bound by the circumstances. We don't get to know. We don't get to see exactly how this is going to work out. But we put our hope in Jesus, and Jesus is good In every season, right? Even when the things aren't going well, you still have hope. And so it says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. This is the message of another in the fire. You're not alone. You're not alone. There's another person with you, groaning with you. Sometimes we go through these pains and we think that this is some kind of moral test. This is a test of our faith and we have to pass it with flying colors, right? And then we get down on ourselves because we're like, oh man, this is painful. And I'm crying and I'm groaning and I'm complaining. And where's my faith? And you're like, oh my gosh, God must hate me. But this is what it's saying. You are not alone anymore. You're not doing this on your own. Remember how we talked a couple of weeks ago how, you know, sometimes we think that it's a 50-50 partnership with, with God. So when we fail on our 50%, we're like, oh, man, I stink. Man, God's going to give up on me because I didn't have enough faith. I didn't have enough, you know, sort of like, like faith power to be like, mm, you know, God's going to be with me. God's going to be with me. That's what we think faith is. Faith is being able to fall into the arms of a father who will catch you. That's what faith is. Faith is not leaving when things get difficult. <laughs> faith isn't always not complaining. I, I know maybe that's a little bit different than what you've heard. Faith isn't always not making noise. Like, like you're going through the pain and you're like, I have so much faith that I'm just... Hmm. It's everything is fine. What is this talking about? Groaning, crying, childbirth. I I haven't heard of mothers giving birth who are just like, hmm, this is fine. They're they're screaming and crying and wailing. And and, and you know what, what Paul tells us is the spirit is right there with you, groaning with you. Right? Sometimes you're not even making sense. Your prayers don't sound holy. But the Spirit is groaning right alongside you, right? With, with, with these groanings too deep for words. 
He who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The Spirit is praying for you, with you. Right? This is the message. There's another in the fire. I want to just go back for a second to that song, Another in the Fire. I want to read just a few of the lyrics for you and I want to explain how they came up with the song, what it means. And, and you saw, like, like they were like going crazy on that stage. Why were they going crazy? <laughs> so, uh, I had this queued up and then my internet is not working now because everyone's using the same <laughs> wireless and we're getting throttled. But, uh, uh, so this idea of being another in the fire is this idea that no matter what you go through, God will be with you. You guys, I'm stalling to see if the lyrics will come up here. Um, that's okay. Uh, I'll just tell you, I, I want to read for you. Um, this is what Chris Davenport, he was the guy on the left, the skinnier guy. Um, this is what he wrote about why they wrote this song and what it means. He says, it was very important from the very beginning, and it was cool to write a song that almost talks about lack of resolution and how what you're in the midst of and where you're headed, the X factor in all of that is that you're not alone. So regardless of the situation and what you're facing, you've never been alone. You never are alone. And you never will be alone. He said that he got the idea for the song because he was just thinking about that story, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He's like, oh, that's a cool line. There's another in the fire. And he started writing this song around this lyric. And so they were kind of messing with it for a while. They had the chorus down. And so at Hillsong Church on Sundays, they would just sing the chorus. And, and so then they started writing the, the verses, and they were going to debut it at this big worship conference. But when it got to the week of the worship conference, Chris Davenport was like, hey, hey, I don't want to sing the song anymore. And they're like, why not? He's like, it's been a really, really tough week. So Chris Davenport, uh, the day of the week of the conference, um, they found out that their son, he, had a young, he has a young son, and his son doesn't talk. His son should be able to talk, but his son doesn't speak. And that week, they got the diagnosis that he has autism. And he's like, God, I've been praying. We've been praying. We've been asking you for this thing. right? We've been asking you to answer our prayers. Why won't you answer me? So his friend, Joel Houston, who helped him write the song, he's like, you know what? We're going to sing this song. We're going to go for it. We're going to go on that stage, and we're just going to profess. And, and, and he thought to himself, he's like, you know what? My son doesn't have a voice, but we're going to cry out. We're going to cry out these promises of God. So you see that part where he says, even if he doesn't, I will praise. Even if he doesn't, I'm not bowing down. Even if he doesn't. God is good. God is good. Brothers and sisters, for me, I've been thinking a lot about a lot of these things that we've been hearing, you know, about the goodness of God. And, you know, I, I've been going through a tough time. I've been sharing here and there. Um, but for the last three months, uh, I've been suffering from something called panic disorder. And it started in January on New Year's Day. And it's, it's a little bit of a mystery. No one really knows why. I wasn't really anxious before. I never experienced this before. But starting on January 1st, I started having panic attacks. And it was around my breath. I felt like I couldn't breathe. I couldn't get a good breath. 
And so it was agony because in every moment, even though I could breathe, it felt like I couldn't. And so, you know, just every moment I felt like I was gasping for breath. And then the worst part is it started happening, uh, it started affecting my sleep. And so it's one thing that every moment I'm fighting for breath when I'm awake, and that's exhausting, but then at night I couldn't sleep. Because my body, uh, for whatever reason, my mind, it, it got in its head, or, you know, it got in my mind this idea that I couldn't breathe. And so my mind just kept jolting my body awake. Like, like I'm not making this up, but every few seconds I would jolt awake. And so the entire night, like at most I would sleep maybe five minutes, but at its worst. And, and sometimes it would literally be like 10 seconds, and my body would just jolt awake. I remember the, the, the night after this happened, the, the worst night, where I couldn't sleep all night. I called my doctor. My doctor had me, um, they had me take all these medications, and you know they were doing all these tests. They did chest x-rays. They, they did a, hooked me up to a heart rate monitor. And uh, uh, I, I met with uh, Reverend Cho, um, and I was like, Reverend Cho, I don't know what's going on. I need you to pray for me. And, you know, one of the things that, that um, he told me is he's like, Pastor Steve, you know, I, I study a lot of like these great, you know, uh, mystics and these great uh, spiritual giants. And this is one thing I know. Every single spiritual giant has suffered. And I was like, you're not helping. <laughs> like, I don't want to hear that. He meant that as a comfort. He's like, they suffered, and yet God was with them. They suffered, and yet God delivered them. This is true. Almost every, do you hear like those, those conversion stories of these people who, they have this huge spiritual breakthrough with God. In every single one of those stories, it's always preceded by some kind of suffering. Right? The breakthrough is preceded by a breakdown. Right? People go through a very difficult time. And he was sharing this with me, and I was like, okay, I hear you. Reverend Cho, is it okay for me to ask God to take this away? He's like, of course. Of course you can. And I really struggled with this. I, I, I told you guys about... It's about three weeks ago, I, I had another big panic attack after not having one for a good bit of time. Uh, I had been getting a lot better, and then I had a relapse about three weeks ago. And that morning, I was uh, reading 2 Corinthians 12, right? Verse 9, or, well, verse, verses 7 through 9, that says, I pleaded with the Lord three times to take it away, and he didn't. And I was talking to one of my pastor friends, and I was like, that scares me so much. Am I going to be stuck with this? I mean, well, why would God do that to me? Why would I get stuck with this? And this is the thing, and this is the promise of that verse, right? You have to read the whole thing, right? Where Paul says, even if he doesn't, in his own way, right? He says, I prayed for this thing. God didn't take it away, and yet... His grace is sufficient. God didn't take it away, but God is still good. One of the things that I've been learning through this season, that God has been using in a way, is he has been teaching me how to be desperate for God. Man, I have learned to depend on God in a way that I have never before. My prayers are different. 
The way I read scripture is different. I want to show you the rest of this passage. And I want to show you what the purpose is, what the reason is. And it says, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. What is his purpose? Those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That's the purpose. The purpose is for you to be formed, conformed, to for you to become transformed to look like Jesus. That's the purpose. In order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and that you might be able to testify so that other people can be transformed. You may be going through your stuff, but rest assured, so is the entire world. So is the entire world. So one of the things I learned, panic disorder is fairly rare, by the way. It's about 1% of the population. But I actually know somebody who was going through panic disorder. I didn't know it. This person had told me before. They, they had shared with me their, their journey. And I tried to be very sympathetic and empathetic. Like, oh, okay, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. You know? And I had no idea. I had no idea really what that meant until I went through it. And I called that person up after I was going through my journey. And one of the amazing things is that person, because they had gone through it, they were a little farther down the road, they were able to share with me. Um, there was a workbook that they went through about panic and uh, anxiety, panic disorder in particular, that was very, very helpful for me to go through. We were able to pray for each other. But one of the things I said to this person was, you know what, I, I, I didn't understand. I, I, I thought I was very empathetic. I could understand what you were going through. I didn't understand how hard this was. I understand now. You better believe the way that I pray for that person is different now, right? So it says, um, those whom he predestined, he also called. Those whom he called, he also justified. Those whom he justified, he also glorified. I want to read for you in the, um, this is the, the message version of this. Um, and, and I think you'll see the meaning of all of this. God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. The son stands first in the line of humanity he restored. We see the original and intended shape of our lives there in him. After God made that decision of what his children should be like, he followed it up by calling people by name. After he called them by name, he set them on a solid basis with himself. And then after getting them established, he stayed with them to the end, gloriously completing what he had begun. Brothers and sisters, this is the hope we have in Christ. I don't want you to go away from this message and say, okay, the, the, the message was, you're going to suffer and you're going to always suffer. Mm-mm. There is glory coming. There is glory coming. There is transformation coming. He who began a good work is faithful to complete it in Christ. He is faithful. He is faithful. He is faithful. He has never left your side. He is with you. And if he is in you, then everything that is happening to you can be used for good. Amen? Everything that is happening to you can be used for good. I I didn't really understand why. But one of the things that I've been able to, um, just God has put people in my life. God has has put 
conversations. People have crossed my path who maybe aren't going through the same thing I am, not the exact same thing, but are going through some kind of mental illness, some kind of mental distress. And it's one of the things that I realize there's a lot. There's a lot of us that are going through this stuff. Even if you're not going through this, you're probably going through something else. And if you're not going through something now, you will be. And this hope that we have in Christ to say, God is there, he is with you, and he's transforming it. It makes all the difference. For me, it's making a lot of difference. I'm not here to tell you it's, it's completely done. It is better. <laughs> it's much better. And one of the things that has grown from this is my supreme confidence in the goodness of God. Because, I mean, this is the thing. We live in a world, and we've been talking about it this whole time, an uncertain world. Oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, what if, what if, what if? This is why we're under so much anxiety. Anxiety has never been higher. It's an epidemic. 20% of the population suffers from some sort of anxiety disorder. And I'm not even talking about just normal anxiety, but an actual diagnosable disorder. That's huge. It is absolutely an epidemic. And I think a lot of it is because we live in a world where we don't think there's a God with you. We think we live in a random universe where cells can just mutate out of control, where, you know, uh, natural disasters can just happen, where, you know, things can just happen to you at any moment. You could just drop dead and die, and there's nothing you can do about it. And that is scary, and it makes people anxious. And they're always looking around, and they're like, oh, my gosh, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? And that was me. Every moment I felt like I couldn't breathe. And I'm like, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? Every moment I felt anxious. I was getting anxious about everything. It was driving me crazy. I didn't want to leave my house. I didn't want to stay in my house. I, I, I didn't want to be in the dark. I didn't want to be in the sun. Everything was making me anxious. It was driving me crazy. And it brought me to a place where I had to believe in this truth. God, there is not a single thing that you can't use for my good. You're with me. You're with me. There's a reason. There's a purpose. You're building my faith in this. You're building my confidence in you, my eternal confidence. If I get delivered in this lifetime, great. If I don't get delivered in this lifetime, I will in the next. That is the hope for all of us. This God is holding you and will never, never let you go. Can I get the praise team to come up and let's pray. I don't know what you're going through, brothers and sisters. Maybe you're not going through anything right now. But you will. Maybe your struggle is different than mine. Probably is, because we're different people. But we all go through struggle. It is the human condition. And brothers and sisters, God is with you. He is with you. He's transforming it. He's using it. Would you let him? Would you fall into the arms of God and let him be there with you? Would you let him assure you that you are not alone? Brothers and sisters, one of the things we do is we fight it. We fight that reality. We say, no, no, this won't happen to me. This hinders God's ability to work in your life. Would you give him access to your heart, access to your emotions, access to your fears, access to your disappointments? You can be disappointed, just be disappointed 
not in Christ that you're disappointed in, you know, you know what I mean, that he's not the object of your disappointment, but that he's with you while you're disappointed. He's with you while you're struggling through your pain. He's with you through all of this. And then you are able to somehow look up and say, God, I know you love me and you're able to use all of this for my good. I lean into that promise. I lean and fall back into your faithfulness more than my own. I can't do this. I give up. I just need a Savior. I need you, Lord. God, whatever we're going through, whatever these brothers and sisters are going through, help them to know you are there. You can use all that was meant for destruction for our good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.